Sports are back, and it's time to save 40%. The NFL may have canceled its preseason this year, but you can still get your football fix. Don't miss the Athletics' exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash state of the nation, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Sports are back and you won't want to miss breaking stories and features on the Raiders and all your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com slash state of the nation for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love the win. You are now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, Deshaun Reed back from a little vacation, and we're ready to talk about Raiders football. And uh, I guess it is the start of training camp. It it feels little weird. It doesn't really feel like the start of training camp. We're not driving up to Napa. We're not checking out the Marriott. We're not in Vegas going to the facility. But uh, training camp is officially kind of underway. Uh, guys are getting their tests and kind of getting ready to go, getting ready for the, the slow ramp up. But uh, it definitely doesn't feel like the normal start of training camp that we've all come to grow and love. Yeah, definitely. It's weird to think uh, media access probably won't start for a couple of weeks. You mentioned the tests, like uh, the veteran players who were in yesterday for tests. They got to uh, quarantine for a couple of days, take a second test on Friday. So when you get two negative tests and you're cleared to actually hit the facility and, and see your locker room and hit the field, which would be, I guess, the first kind of uh, walkthrough slash you know, light practice would be on Saturday. So definitely a slow, uh, slow ramp up for this year. Is there um, kind of a rookie start like some teams are doing, or are the Raiders just going to have everybody come in at once? No, the rookies came in last week. The rookies came in okay. uh, last Tuesday, so they were tested, and I think their first day in the field was on Saturday, I believe, and the quarterbacks came in on Thursday, so Derek Carr was in the building on Monday. So definitely those guys get a little head start. The rookies have been, um, John Grid mentioned the other day, they've been doing uh, walkthroughs with the rookies for a couple of days now. So that's kind of a, their start. You know, and if we're looking for a positive to Sean, uh, it's that, you know, we get the transaction wire coming out now. No Raiders have landed on the uh, the COVID-19 list. No Raiders thus far have decided to opt out. So uh, all that can change in a heartbeat, but, uh, but so far so good uh, from the Raiders perspective. Yeah, I'm curious to see, you know, if there is anybody that opts out. I think the deadline, what is it, August 1st, I think? Yeah, August 1st. Yeah, and so, we, I mean, we have a few guys on the team that, you know, they're expecting, you know, just in general, maybe they're at a more established point in their career and it may not be worth the risk. You know, not everybody has relocated to Vegas just yet. This is going to be interesting to see. I don't blame guys if they do opt out. I don't think that's necessarily bad news. You know, we're, we're starting to see some more pop up around the league, but it's at least good so far that, you know, they went in and tested on Tuesday. We have to see which how many positive tests come back. But, you know, so we're just kind of in a holding pattern on that front. The one guy that I thought had a chance to maybe opting out was Maurice Hurst because, you know, he has that heart condition. But I mean, he was on Instagram saying how excited he was to play. So it doesn't seem like that's likely. Yeah, I mean, so let's let's kind of pretend like this is an actual real start of training camp and that we're actually, you know, going to be seeing these guys fairly soon, even though it will be, you know, a couple of weeks before Vic and Deshaun get to check them out. What are we most looking forward to at this camp? I mean, normally around this time, we're talking about what guys are looking like as they report. We're talking about, you know, position battles that we want to see. And, and there still is some of that that we are going to eventually examine. But, you know, what is the one thing that we all 
you know, really want to see have answered or, or the thing that we most want to kind of be able to put our eyes on when actual training camp really does get to start. And then media access eventually opens up and for Ted and I back here in the Bay area, you get to see some, uh, some grainy cell phone videos that you guys post. Uh, what are we all looking forward to seeing the most? I think for me, it'll be, you know, if there's a real difference in the level of intensity with there being no preseason games. I mean, the guys that are, you know, kind of on the fringe of the roster, you know, fighting for that 53 man, they don't really have a showcase every week to, to prove themselves. So they have to do it every day in practice. And I know that's already sort of a, a cliche with football, but I mean, it's real now. You know, these guys really don't have anything else. So I wonder if guys are going a little bit harder this time around. I got two things. Um, I'm going to see uh, Henry Ruggs. Obviously, I just want to see how they're going to use him. I want to see the speed. I want to see the whole deal. I'm just, uh, and the players are excited about seeing him. I think fans are. So that's the, the new element on their offense. I just want to see um, – how explosive he is and how they're going to use him. And the other thing is on the other side of the ball, I want to see on uh, on third downs what they're going to do with uh, Cleveland Furl and uh, Carl Nassib. If uh, Cleveland actually will move inside uh, or what the plan is. I know they gave Carl a, a $17 million guaranteed and Clee, what, gained uh, 13 pounds in the offseason. He's definitely primed for a bigger second year than his first year. So to me, that's an interesting situation, how that plays out. Yeah, that quote that Gruden had in the article he wrote was interesting. He said not to measure Farrell's success by sacks and that he has the versatility to move inside. I thought that they would want to put him in a more focused role on the outside, but I guess having this tweener ability is a... Something that they're going to use in his throughout his career. I'm most excited about seeing Henry Ruggs, the wide receivers. Last year, the receiving corp was so weak that you know they're hoping that Ruggs and Brian Edwards could add some explosiveness to this offense. And I really like Brian Edwards, so I'm I'm excited to see what he could do. I was going to say the receivers too, Ruggs and Edwards, but you guys stole that. But I mean, especially Vic after the the kind of reviews you got of what. Edwards is looking like at those player run practices, but I will go ahead and flip to the other side of the ball. And I want to see what this functional linebacker play looks like. According to PFF, a a top 10 unit, which I know Raiders fans are both excited about and are always going to remain skeptical until they actually see it. I mean, it's been just forever since the Raiders had not even a good linebacker unit, but a functional one. And between Corey Littleton and, and Nick Wachowski, that should be a pretty dang functional unit. Those are two good linebackers, especially Littleton is a guy that's been one of the better linebackers in the league over the last few years. And I just want to see w- what those guys can do, how fluid they look in, in pass coverage, you know, how they look coming up against the run. And I want to see functional linebacker play. And, and I think for as much as we harp on the secondary and getting a pass rush going outside of Max Crosby, I mean, if you can have that middle line of defense actually be able to make some plays here and there, it, it should just open up this defense to be a lot better all around. Yeah, I mean, a coordinator will actually be able to draw up a linebacker covering a tight end or running back and not roll his eyes and like <laughs> say a little prayer to himself. So that's kind of a cool thing for Paul Gunther this year. Kind of along those lines, Ted, you wrote uh, a few days ago about you you broke down all of the explosive plays that the Raiders allowed in the second half of the 2019 season. You kind of delineated it from when Trayvon Mullen moved into the starting lineup. And I know as you watched that film, you saw a lot of uh, Tyre Whitehead, the guy who, as I read that story, I wasn't expecting to read so much about because I kind of just forgot he was even ever on the team was DJ Swearinger. Obviously, we we saw why they moved on from him uh, so quickly to see him all again and kind of just break him down. What was your biggest takeaway? I think the Raiders might have had the worst linebacker corp in the entire league. I mean, Whitehead and Morrow were responsible for nearly 
40% of the explosive plays last year. They were just so bad at falling for play action. They weren't great in coverage. I think Moore was a lot better than Whitehead. But anytime you add play action to it, it just bits so hard. And, you know, I think that's one thing Littleton and Kwiatkowski's uh, should be better at is recognizing play action. It's kind of just a feel type of deal. They definitely did not have that feel last year. But the number one problem was just the cornerback position and Worley getting just outplayed by receivers. I mean, there's times where he's in position and he just can't make a play in a ball. And there's just times when he's just too slow and can't keep up with the guys. I think that, you know, the Raiders tried to upgrade the cornerback position, but it's still some unknown. But at least the linebacker position is definitely has been upgraded immensely. Yeah, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned the cornerback position and you kind of you mentioned your study went from when Trayvon Mullen entered the starting lineup. What was your takeaway from him? Obviously, he's a guy the Raiders are high on. Um, he's you know locked into a starting job. They think that he can be a really good player. What was your kind of evaluation watching him there in his rookie year? I think I was a little higher on him uh, before I rewatched everything. He definitely gave up a much smaller percentage of explosive plays than Worley did, but again, he just made some rookie mistakes. You could tell just some mental mistakes that he just wasn't clear on his responsibility at times, or he was just a, a step or two slow, but a lot of promise, but he's just not quite there yet. And you, you wouldn't expect the rookie corner to be an all-star right off the bat, especially in Gunther's defense, where it could be a little tough to learn. It looks like he has tools to be a, a good corner in this system. I think he's a good fit in, in Gunther's system, better than Worley was. All right, transitioning over, uh, you know, to Sean, you wrote about uh, Randall Cunningham, the former NFL quarterback who has spent time in Las Vegas in college and went to UNLV, and he that's where he's back living and has taken over as the uh, the Raiders chaplain. And it's kind of what did you gather from talking to him? Uh, I know Napoleon Kaufman kind of uh, appointed him a few years ago and basically said, hey, when this team moves from uh, from Oakland to Vegas, uh, you're in charge. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that stuck out to me was that none of this was really plan for him you know obviously when he was a player that's when he sort of got more focused in on his faith got a little bit more religious it was something that had already always been a part of his life but he wasn't becoming a, a minister definitely wasn't something that was in his plan until after his career um, and even then you know the kind of you know start off he was just having a, a bible study group and then you know somebody suggested he started a church and he went ahead and did it and you know he had actually done that since 2004 so this isn't really anything that's new for him you know Kaufman sort of jokingly reached out to him a couple of years ago when the, it was announced that the Raiders were moving to Las Vegas and said that, you know, he was going to be the team chaplain once they moved there. And he sort of blew it off. But come around 2020, you know, John Gruden got in touch and, you know, the owner got in touch with him and it came together pretty quickly. And uh, it's something he seems pretty geared up and excited about. You know, in addition to being a minister, he's been coaching both football and track. Right now he's a track coach. And so while it's something that I've noticed, people reacting to this both initially and now, they don't know what a, a team chaplain is. Is basically essentially the priests for the team. It's guys that, you know, they don't necessarily have to be Christian, but if they're just, you know, believe in their faith um, and, and want somebody to, to speak to on that level, he's basically the resource for the team, not just the players, but everybody in the organization and their families. He won't be... Uh, telling uh, Derek Carr where to throw on the field, I promise. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's really just, especially with this year and everything going on in the country between the pandemic and, you know, the social justice movement, I think, you know, his role is something that's always going to be important to a team, but even more so this year. Um, it's something that guys are really going to appreciate. Certainly. I mean, you factor in his history with John Gruden. I mean, Gruden coached him uh, for a little bit with the Eagles. So uh, really is a, a perfect fit with him right there in Vegas. Speaking about Gruden, uh, Vic, you got a chance to catch up with him on the phone. And, 
You know, I think we all read the headline to that story in his voice. We got to beat this virus, man. Overall, he, he sounds like a guy that is maybe a little bit less grouchy, right? He doesn't have that long uh, commute to work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he um, he was in, definitely in pretty good spirits. Obviously, his whole training camp thing is so weird. And as a coach, I'm sure it's kind of uh, perplexing how you're going to tackle it. He uh, actually had a, um, a funny line. He quoted Son of a Woman, the Al Pacino line, where I, that line where he says, I'm in the dark here. And Gruden did his Al Pacino voice and did the, I'm in the dark here, which was pretty, <laughs> pretty classic. But um so, yeah, he's waiting. You obviously hope these guys pass these tests to come to the field on Saturday and kind of ramp them up. And no preseason games is going to be a tough challenge to really evaluate guys. So, um, yeah, it's just a weird time. He embraces that and kind of just wants to see players you know, get off their, their, their best starts and hopefully get a team going and get the season started. So just a weird time, but he definitely remains optimistic and kind of he likes the roster. He likes the moves they made this offseason. So uh, definitely, he's uh, he wants to get going. All right. Well, we've gotten this far in the podcast. Haven't really talked Derek Carr. Um, Mike Sando came out with his annual quarterback tiers uh, rankings over uh, you know earlier this week, and I mean it's always an interesting read, especially because funny when a lot of people read it and they want to yell at Mike for oh you put you're disrespecting this guy. The thing you got to love about this is that it's not you know just some media guy putting the list together it's these are evaluations by he talks to dozens of of nfl uh you know talent evaluators decision makers and whatnot and i mean and this is really you get a sense of what people around the league feel about a guy and Derek carr came in uh again i think this kind of where he's been tier three um the number 20 quarterback in the league uh based on uh the, the polling of of all these talent evaluators i didn't think he was going to be uh this low you know, all the way down to 20. But, you know, if he played well for certain stretches of the season, but definitely the end of the season probably left a pretty bad taste in a lot of uh, the people who voted on this list eyes, I think. Yeah, I think 20 was low, too. I kind of view him as, I'd probably say somewhere around a top 15 quarterback. Shil Kapadia, he wrote, a, I think last week, a, a piece sort of, breaking down some trends from the Raiders last season and signaling, you know, where they can improve this upcoming season. And he made a kind of a case that Carr was underrated. You know, he was like top 10 in QBR and average yards per attempt and DVOA and EPA and, and some of these other advanced statistics. And so I think 20 is a little bit low. I probably would agree that he's probably in that third tier of quarterbacks. I thought 20 was okay. I thought, uh, I think there's a range of quarterbacks, probably like 15 to 20. I know always in the offseason, people look at stats and they kind of put new spins on things. And I know there's been some Drew Brees comparisons in terms of the stats from last year with Derek, but this eyeball test, I don't think he obviously had excuses on us. There were injuries and uh, the receivers weren't very good, but I didn't think he made a difference. I didn't think he was a difference maker last year, which I think he would agree with. So I think Duff has to improve on his play this year. So I think, again, that range is finally 15 to 20, but I thought last year, based on what I saw, I think 20 is fair. I mean, 20 is actually exactly where he was last year. So uh, no rising, no falling. He stayed uh, in the exact same spot. Um, even his average grade, average tier, was almost about the same. 2.96 looks like this year, 2.93 last year. If, if you look at kind of the, the highlighted quotes that we have uh, in the last two years, kind of highlighted quote about Carr last year, it was when someone shows disappointment in him, he shrinks this year. It was disappointing, inspires no confidence anymore, but too talented to be anything less than a three. I mean, I think that's kind of the overwhelming thought on him is that this is not a guy that's not talented, but for whatever reason, you know, he might put up good numbers. He might do a lot of good things, but he just doesn't quite elevate his team. You know, 2016, we saw a lot of him elevating his team, but ever since then, we just haven't seen that. 
I was going to add, like, your last year is supposed to be this big, like, prove-it year. Like, this is the year. We got you Trent Brown, Antonio Brown. This is the year we find out Derek Carr is John Gruden's guy, and we move on one way or the other. And then, obviously, Antonio Brown went nuts, and Terrell Williams' feet caught fire. So, I think that you can see, you know what? That wasn't really a fair test. So, now we're back here again, and you add these receivers in the draft. You got probably a top three offensive line this year. One of the best tight end cores in the league. Josh Jacobs has emerged as a top ten running back in the NFL. So, Definitely his offense should be really explosive this year, and if it's not, I think people will blame will blame Derek. There was a point in the middle of the season where it looked like, all right, this you know, Derek Carr might be returning back to 2016 form. He's playing well, and there was a lot of injuries toward the wide receiving corp towards the end of the end of last year, but you just didn't see him make plays. And, you know, like, like we talked about, he just didn't elevate his team and yeah, this the the last few games was just a really bad stretch of games, and I think that's how a lot of people are seeing him in those last few games. All right, uh, last topic here before we move on to some questions. Uh, Tashawn, you wrote recently about Alec Ingold, the, the Raiders fullback, second-year fullback, uh, his history uh, having been adopted and kind of the stuff that he's doing for other adopted kids and all that. And just kind of what can you say about having a chance to catch up with him and and uh, the work he's doing and, and, you know, the potential role that he could have, you know, in year two. We saw the Raiders last year rely on him a little bit in short yardage for the first half of the season. Then they kind of got predictable and and they had to start going away from that. But uh, but just overall takeaways from getting the chat with uh, Alec Ingold. Yeah, I mean, the first thing that jumped out was just that he was, you know, incredibly open about his past. Uh, he's biracial. He's he's black and white. Um, and he was adopted by a white family and raised in Wisconsin and, and really never had any issues with his upbringing. And, you know, he credited, you know, the family that adopted him for that and, you know, surrounded him with good people. And, and obviously that helped him, you know, reach what he's, you know, become as an athlete. You know, while he's only, you know, going into his second year in the league, he felt it was time you know, to start giving back a little bit more. And so he partnered with Adopt US Kids, which is uh, basically a, a nonprofit project. Um, it's not technically an adoption service, but they help the process of connecting families with, with kids in, in foster care. Right now they're focusing mostly on teenagers who have been in foster care for a while. You know, he's both helping spread awareness and making a financial contribution to help them out. And he's also doing some other small things throughout the community. Uh, he spoke recently to a group of high school students uh, through this program that UNLV has. Uh, that you know, he's, he's speaking about financial literacy at his his degree from Wisconsin in personal finance. Um, so he's just giving back, and I think that's something that we've seen more people do throughout this pandemic, and you know, with the social justice movement going on. And I think that's what gave him his final push. But I think this is going to be something that you know, becomes a regular part of his life moving forward, um, regardless of what happens with the rest of his career. But from a football standpoint, you know, his role isn't really going to change this year. You know, he's a fullback. It's pretty simple. I think everybody knows what to expect. It's sort of a dying position in the NFL, but John Gruden loves that and as, almost as much as he loves tight ends. And so Ingo, his, his main goal this year is just to be more accountable, he said, to hold himself more accountable and be more consistent. And I think we've seen him, you know, kind of in this offseason, whether it's you know, practicing catching passes a little bit more, or you know, just trying to diversify himself a little bit as a as a runner in those short yardage center situations. I think he just wants to be more useful across the board, not just you know paving the way for Josh Jacobs. You know, obviously he's not going to be you know the focal point or anything of that nature, but you know, particularly in those situational, you know, when they just need a yard, you know, or need something to catch a defense off guard, I think he could be more useful in that in that area this year. All right, guys. Well, let's take some questions. You guys can always send us questions uh, either on the comment section of our uh, previous podcast or uh, when we 
shouted out on Twitter. And so uh, we'll start with this one from uh, Raiders GTI, a little two-parter. What do you see Edwards' role being during the season? Do you think he could work for the spot opposite Ruggs by the end of the year? And uh, how many catches by Renfro this season? We think an 85 is possible this time around. Edwards, I think, will be kind of a slow build. I think, obviously, he came off the end. He looks good. He definitely looks like he's back from uh, his foot issues. But I think it'll be a slow build. I think they have a lot of guys, a lot, a lot of depth this year. Obviously, they're paying Terrell Williams a lot of money. So I think Terrell Williams will be the guy for a while. And maybe by the end of the year, you get him some more reps. And I'm not sure if he'll be able to start. But I think it'll be a factor at some point. Obviously, he looks really explosive. Looks like really he's a big receiver with a, a nice target radius. And then the other, my, my guess on Renfro, will be no I think he'll be uh probably same as last year I think there's a lot there's too many guys to really expect him to have a huge role this year is my take but I think he'll be definitely a, a guy that Derek relies on third downs again but overall numbers I'd say probably similar to last year he had 49 catches in 13 games but obviously was coming on strong uh, toward the end you know it was it was a slower start for him so I mean I could see 60 maybe 60 65 range he's not going to be a huge yards per catch guy but uh third downs I, I think you know he obviously built a good rapport with Derek last year and I would think he would still be a, a pretty popular third down target for him I don't see Edwards taking over as a starter for Williams by the end of the season but I think he could be somebody that's pretty useful in those red zone situations where the Raiders struggled pretty badly last year. He's another guy, you know, more big body guy who can go out there and catch those jump passes, you know, contested passes in, in short areas of the field. Obviously, we have to see what happens with Williams and his feet, of course, though. I mean, if he gets hurt, I think Edwards may be the favorite. I think he could potentially carve out a starting role if, you know, Williams gets hurt again. I agree with you guys. I think Edwards probably not going to take over a starting role unless there's um, an injury to one of the starting receivers. But he's good enough to where they, they would want to find a role for him regardless. Regardless, But I just don't think he's going to be challenging for 1,000 yards or anything because he won't get that many opportunities. As far as Renfro, I don't think it's unrealistic to think that he, you know, I, I, we joked about it a lot last season. But I think there's a chance he could maybe challenge for 70 to 80 catches. I mean, it won't be for a ton of yards, but I don't think it'd be unrealistic to see him catching four to six passes a game and, you know, get maybe... 40 50 yards or something like that makes sense all right um one that i'm not sure if, if either vic or Tashawn, if you guys know this from keith if the season does indeed get postponed do teams lose a year of a rookie deal or free agent contracts do we know kind of the, the contractual what would happen with with guys contracts if uh something happens and we hope this is not the case but if something happens and the season has to you know, get called off at any point? I'm pretty sure the contract tolls. Like, the guys who opted out right now, they pretty much get a stipend, so it's money from next year's salary, which really is this year's salary, pushed back a year. So I think based on that, it'd be similar for rookies if the year doesn't uh, doesn't finish off. I think you don't lose a year of service for your player. Question here from Raider Gang. It says, what's up, fellas? Love all your guys' work. I watched an old Gruden QB camp from 2009 where he sat down with Drew Brees and Sean Payton and refers to a lot of players as jokers. Looks like Gruden is building a similar type of team. Do you see any similarities? And we know Joker, that's his thats his favorite term when he thinks that a guy can, it's not really a position for him, but it's like a when a guy can do a lot of different things. It was Derek Carrier a couple of years ago. Now it's Lynn Bowden. I think any coach loves those kind of guys, right? Yeah, I think we're seeing that more, I guess, in this modern era of football. You know, coaches are getting a little bit more creative and, and finding ways to use guys in multiple spaces. Yeah, I think, you know, even... We might see Bowden and, and maybe Ruggs do a few similar things, not coming out of the backfield, but, you know, Bowden, he was a slot receiver before he was a, a Wildcat quarterback at Kentucky. And, you know, we can see him splitting out wide and maybe running some sweeps or some other quick hidden plays. You know, obviously, 
they have a, a lot more weapons or, you know, if everybody stays healthy this year than last year. And so Gruden can open up the playbook, presumably a little bit more. I could even see uh, Ingold doing some Joker things. I could see Ingold lining up, lining up wide once in a while or doing some running back stuff. Or I think he's a little more explosive this, this off season. So, and we talked about how much John loves fullbacks. So I could see him doing some Joker type stuff also. Yeah. I was going to say Ingold didn't have that many catches. I think he had like six catches last season. I think he is a better athlete for just having six catches. Not saying that he's going to have a ton of catches last year, but if he could get around 200 yards receiving, he could make that 21 personnel just a lot more versatile. I think they were a little predictable in 21 personnel last year. So, yeah, I would like to see Ingle you know, show off his versatility a little bit more. All right. Question here from uh, the Autumn Wind podcast. Uh, can you assess the linebacker depth chart in light of Markel Lee going on PUP? Uh, do you think they'll sign anyone? I don't think so. I think Markel Lee, so he had the ankle injury last year. He played, what, three games, I want to say, went to IR, came back off IR, played two games, went back in IR, had surgery in the offseason, and then he was able to, like, if you're a rehabbing player, you can come in early to, to camp with the quarterbacks. So he came in last week with Derek Carr, with Thursday, got tested, passed his test. You see his locker room, uh, if you go on Instagram, you can see his locker room photos, his pics. But obviously, he's not quite there yet with his ankle. So I think, I don't think it's a huge concern. I think he'll be back at some point pretty soon. So, plus they have a lot of linebacker depth already. They got, uh, we mentioned Morrow. They drafted Tanner Muse. Um, Kyle Wilber is a favorite of, of Rich Versace, and he definitely has, you know, so a lot of guys, Nick Usher, a guy they brought from the CFL who has some pass rush ability. So I think they're a pretty well-stacked linebacker. I think they'll just wait for, uh, for Markel to come back and, and compete for a spot. All right, then a popular question uh, asked by several folks, so we'll just kind of keep it simple. Uh, what are the, what's the latest? What are the odds? You know, what are your thoughts on uh, on the Raiders and, and a possible pursued signing of Jadavian Clowney? I think it's more possible now that Seattle traded for Jamal Adams, I think he just has a high figure in mind, and I don't think he's going to move from that. Uh, I'm not sure if the Raiders can't aff- aff- afford him unless they make some drastic changes. Yeah, I was going to say I think it's more of a money issue. Obviously, they would love to have him. Uh, he fits well into to what they need there at the end position, but I just don't see them being able to come up with the money that he needs without you know going out of their way to you know, make a subtraction at a, another position that there may be a need on the roster. Well, to me, there's two things. One, if you're him at this point, might as well wait for someone to get hurt or, you know, get sick or opt out. And then you can have a maybe more of a leverage than he has right now for, for a better contract offer. And two, I think now with the whole the testing and with the COVID, you really can't try out. You can't um, have tryouts for, for free agents right now. They're not allowed to come on and work out for teams uh, for until the whole thing clears up a little bit. So you can't work them out, which I think would be a major you know, issue for him with his history of injuries. So to me, I think if things kind of remain status quo for a while, he probably is a free agent for a couple of weeks. And then at that point, then you can maybe the Raiders' lack of money may not be a factor as far as he'd be able to come in and sign for a cheaper deal. But to me, I don't think it's in the cards. But I think especially if you look at in, in the next few days here, if somebody on some team out there that's making pretty good money decides to opt out, that obviously opens up salary cap room on a team because they, they go from whatever their salary would be to just that stipend. So I think that would be interesting to watch in the next few days here. If you see anybody that is making a pretty decent salary that opts out, that could have a, a market interest in Jadevian Clowney that could change the market for him. So yeah, probably makes sense for him to be patient and, uh, and we'll see. I mean, it, it would, create a little bit of a, a, a log jam uh, on the defensive line. But I mean, I think as you look for ways for that defense to improve, 
good players can uh, are, are always welcome. So, all right, that'll wrap up this week's episode of State of the Nation. Uh, we are going to aim to make this pretty much weekly occasion now that training camp is underway. Like Vic referenced earlier, it will be a, a couple of weeks before the media is actually allowed out there. Um, it's going to be much more limited media access in terms of what guys are able to watch and, and whatnot. Um, but you know, eventually at some point, do expect that uh, Vic and Deshaun will get to check out some practices and, and get their eyes on these guys before uh, the opening week of the season. It's going to be weird without exhibition games we always kind of lament them we we don't love watching them but uh it, it still will be weird to kind of go through a whole august without having anything to evaluate so uh we'll definitely count on those guys when uh when they are able to start watching some practice all right guys we'll talk to you again next week